This is Psychics and Psychos, a metaphysical true crime analysis with your host, psychic astrologer Denise Siegel and intuitive card reader Helen from Irish Granny Tarot. They use psychic abilities, tarot, and astrology to get a deeper understanding of the spiritual and psychological motivations of murder and the true crimes we all know. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to Psychics and Psychos. My name is Denise Siegel, the Psychic Astrologer, and this is... Helen Psycho. from Irish Granny Tarot, and we are doing a true crime metaphysical analysis. And Yay. today, who are we doing, Denise? We are doing Jeffrey Dahmer. correct. Yes, yes, we are. And uh, how are you doing? I'm doing good. So you, you actually, she, Helen is really good. She does a whole like analysis basically as she breaks down the crimes before we get into the analysis so Helen take it away with okay and before I begin I just want to apologize if I sound far too cheerful about all this I'm just uh trying to in the best interests of time kind of breeze through his entire very disturbed backstory and uh I take it seriously. This is a terrible situation. However, uh, I get all excited about it. And I sound like I'm having a really good time talking about, oh, I don't know, necrophilia and cannibalism. So we're talking about Jeffrey Dahmer, aka the Milwaukee cannibal or the Milwaukee monster. He was born on May 21st, 1960, and he died rather tragically, which we'll discuss. November uh, 28th, 1994, he is responsible to the best of anyone's knowledge for killing 17 men and young boys. He was into a host of just bizarre stuff, necrophilia, cannibalism, dismemberment, and much like our friend John Wayne uh, Gacy, the preservation of body parts, usually the skeleton. So think about what that means he was up to. He actually has a psychological, psychiatric diagnosis because, of course, he was imprisoned uh, and was um, studied. He had borderline personality disorder, schizotypal personality disorder, and some sort of vague, undescribed psychotic disorder. Mm, uh, but he was declared sane legally for trial. And all that means, it doesn't mean you're not very odd it means that you know the difference between what is right. socially right and socially wrong right so he was the first of two sons his mother joyce was a teletype machine instructor and his father interestingly lionel was a research chemist um there are two stories about his life that people throw around one is that he was doted on and came from a, a, a lovely middle class suburban family and the other one that is that he was severely neglected and if you really dive into it the second story is much more correct his don't you mother think had can, don't you think they can don't you think they can kind of both be true and that's part of what made him psychopathic because well, yeah how, because it wasn't yeah. a, it was a, a pathological kind of, doting upon yeah right yeah. it was probably both yeah but yeah. anyway yeah yeah. And his mother, of course, because we, you know, always blame mothers. His mother was tense. She is described as having been greedy for attention and pity. 
She was argumentative, a hypochondriac with depression. She demanded constant attention, spent a lot of time in bed. She attempted suicide by medication. Uh, Denise, what's your professional diagnosis of somebody like that? She sounds like a narcissist, you know? And, and histrionic Histrionic, yeah. I would say, yeah. yeah. He probably and, has some mental health issues. I was just looking at the chart when you were talking about her. No, we're see. not. We're not profession professionals. I just thought. No, I know, but sounds like. I mean, looking at his chart, I would. I would say she's probably a narcissist too. Okay. Just yeah. Anyway, he was he was neglected by his parents. Uh, he was very unsure. There was no um, stability in his family life. A lot of tension between his parents. But something that I feel. I've not read this as being um, spoken about this way, but I feel in my gut that this was a significant moment in his life. So he set up for problems with this weird dynamic going on between his parents and the parents and him. And um, on his fourth birthday, he had surgery for a hernia and mm. He is described as having changed overnight from a happy child to somebody quiet, withdrawn, and uh, timid all the time. And I, this leads me to ask, I just have a feeling, was this such an overwhelming emotional trauma or did he have some when sort he was, of anoxic event? During was the, he, four, so what, what, it was four years old? When this four, years old four years okay, old. Four years old. Keep talking, I want to look at that. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, did he have some sort of brain insult during surgery? Right. And it wouldn't even necessarily have to be some, it could be subclinical, you know, right. it wouldn't right. have to be something dramatic that the doctors would have recorded. Anyway, right. uh, his early teachers said, all of his early teachers said that he showed signs of abandonment and uh, his father was always gone for work and his mother was always in bed. And this poor kid, you know, was on his own. His mother got pregnant with her second child and they allowed Jeffrey to name him, named him Davy. His mm -hmm. uh, dad got a new job. And so they moved to a completely different place in Ohio uh, at the age of four. So did this begin after his surgery? He developed a fascination with dead animals Hmm. He called the bones of dead animals fiddlesticks. He began searching under his house for dead animals, looking for the bones, and he started capturing small animals and killing them to look for their bones inside their bodies. He They moved again to Bath Township in Ohio. This is the third move in two years and the sixth move his parents had made since they were married. So there's a real significant lack of stability in their home. Their new right. house was on one and a half acres, kind of rural. It had a hut on the property where Jeffrey kept insects and small animal skeletons, some in jars of formaldehyde. Now we're still talking about like a five-year-old. At the age of six, he asked his dad to put uh, chicken bones in bleach. And his dad thought this was scientific curiosity. His father was a chemist. His father encouraged this fascination. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Jeffrey began collecting and preserving roadkill. Right. Uh, he um, buried it when he was done poking around in the bodies. He buried them and 
put the skulls on crosses at the site of these little graves. This is just so weird. He decapitated yeah. a dog. So we're escalating here. Decapitated a dog, nailed the body to a tree and impaled the skull on a stick. This is not intellectual curiosity. No, that's I really yeah. psycho. Yeah. 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 This freaked out his friends who saw this happen. And right. this uh, is yeah. his family called it a prank. Um, he claimed he lied about it. Actually, his friends saw this happen, but he lied and said that he had discovered it. He didn't right. do it. Yeah. Uh, so as he was preserving animals with his father, his mother withdrew more and more into drugs and her depression. By 14, he was drinking alcohol at school, took it with him to school and drank it in class. He was an outcast. He called his alcohol his medicine. So he would have scotch in the morning in his history class. I've had some pretty boring history teachers, but not to that extent. Anyway, wow. he was an average student. He was characterized as polite but quiet. Uh, he was very competitive in tennis and active playing the band. So go, go figure. Um, yeah. He actually, now this is, is uh, in retrospect, he was uh, gay, but told nobody, discussed it with nobody. But he began at this point, at least as far as we know, to have fantasies about domination and subjugation and uh, control of other people. And um, he had fantasies about uh, submissive males. He was really into torsos and chests. At mm. 16, uh, he had a fantasy where he would make a male jogger unconscious. He would drive, you know, he's just now driving. He would get him into the car, make him unconscious and have sex with his unconscious jogger. Um, he laid in wait actually for this kid to drop, to run by. I, I, I actually forgot. I thought it's been so long since I've written this. I thought he did it with a car. No, he laid in wait at the side of the road for the jogger to run by with a baseball bat. But that day the guy didn't run. So lucky him, right? He was known as the class clown. He staged bizarre pranks that students called doing a Dahmer. Hmm. For example, he would pretend to have seizures or pretend to have disabilities. So I'm not wow. sure prank is really the correct word. No. Uh, and he would do, they would, they would dare him to do it and pay him to do it. And then he would use the money to buy alcohol. Wow. In 1977, he, his parents got him counseling and a tutor and with no success. And his mother had an affair and his parents got divorced. In 78, he lived in a motel. Oh, his dad moved to a motel. He stayed with his mother. Um, he was seen at school at this time with even more alcohol. It happened much more frequently. Then the house, okay, his father's in a motel. His mother and he and his brother are still in the house. His mother took the brother and moved out and left the 18-year-old Jeffrey alone. And his father had no idea that he was alone right. at home and unsupervised. In July of 78, the parents got officially divorced and the mother got custody of David, did not want Jeffrey. Interesting. Hmm. And in 78, he committed what's believed to be his first murder, a hitchhiker. Oh, this is what I was thinking about. He picked up a hitchhiker, Stephen Mark Hicks, who was 18. Right. 
Right. Took him back to his house for a few beers. He had been on his way to a concert. He was hitchhiking to a concert. Jeffrey killed him when he tried to leave, uh, engaged in necrophilia, and then dissected his body in the basement. Now, remember, there's nobody home. Uh, buried him in the backyard. Then he dug up his body and dissolved flesh with acid. I'm sorry. I find this so disgusting. It's so and disgusting. It's yeah. just gross. Crushed his bones and scattered them in the woods. And six weeks later, his dad discovered, oh, my son, my 18-year-old son is completely alone at home. He went to Ohio State University. He was drunk all semester. He, The only class he passed, this supreme irony, the only class he passed was riflery. He dropped out and sort of coerced by his father in 1979, joined the army, was a medic until 1981, and was kicked out for alcohol. He flew to Miami Beach alone to work in a deli, got a room in a rundown motel from which he was evicted, and finally called his father for money to come home. He lived with his father for two weeks, and then he was arrested for drunken behavior publicly, and his father bailed him out and then sent him to live with his grandmother, who was completely oblivious. He right. worked as a phlebotomist for 10 months, uh, got arrested for indecent exposure, and had to pay, get this, a $50 fine. <laughs> when was this? What period of time was that? 1981. <laughs> okay. And got laid off from work because of it. So he's living with his grandmother, uh, you know, doing odd jobs. In 1985, he got a job mixing chocolate. You're never going to look at that box of uh, Russell Stover's the same way again, Denise. <laughs> so he got a job mixing chocolates and he began exploring gay nightlife. He stole, mm -hmm. this is so gross, he stole a torso, a mannequin torso from a store in a mall, and it became his romantic partner. I don't know how else to say it. And his right. grandmother discovered it in his bed and totally lost it. He had bathhouse encounters. Um, and if the partner that he would uh, get together with I heard also about the situation with the grandmother living with the grandmother period and the mannequin situation. Yeah. I heard him say that he did that because he was having urges to murder and dismember men yeah. during that period of time. And he didn't want to upset his grandmother. He, he got over that. And, <laughs> the, and that, so that's why he supposedly took the mannequin as a yeah. sort of a like to substitute yeah substitute, substitute yeah. for his fantasies so mm -hmm. uh he would get really angry if um people that he hooked up with at the bathhouse moved on to somebody else sure he viewed people as objects he would drug these guys in the bathhouse uh he tried to steal a corpse hmm. got caught for public masturbation, was put for on probation for a year. And this all came to a climax, oh, pardon the pun, uh, when he killed a 25-year-old in a motel, but he claimed he didn't remember what happened. He cut the body up, put it in a suitcase, cut it up in his grandmother's basement. He, and this is so gross. He cut the head up. It's so gross. Yeah. yeah, we don't have to go into all of that. Gross okay, stuff. good, because it's gross. He did all it's kinds so of gross. horrible sexual yeah. and anatomical. Deviant. Things. Yeah, yeah, disgusting. Yeah. I don't want to know about it. And doing this um, as a regular thing, luring right. young men, drugging them, 
strangling right. them and then doing that. His grandmother um, finally kicked him out and he got a small apartment in a very rundown area. He was caught uh, drugging a 13 year old. Right. And yes. they did psychological tests on him and said that he was schizoid, impulsive, he had alienation. And while he was awaiting sentencing, he killed another person. And I, it's just, I won't even go into it. It's so gross. No, it's so he gross. Got, yeah. It's so gross. He got five years probation. Um, he spent a year in prison and he had work release while he was in prison. Then he was paroled and he moved back with his grandmother. And in 1990, then he moved to an even more rundown place and began killing again. And he would dissect his victims boil them, keep their bones, put body parts in the fridge, keep photos of this whole process in the apartment. It's so gross. It is. Yeah. This, I don't like, uh, I don't like, a rule, I don't like to follow the stories of people like this guy and Gacy because, you know, I'm a little OCD about housekeeping and this is just beyond the pale. <laughs> housekeeping? <laughs> That's something that bothers you about it? <laughs> I just can't handle it. <laughs> I think so, the thing that he is so demented is what bothers oh, it's, him. It's, it's very difficult so to wrap demented. your head around. He so um, tried to create yeah. submissive uh, people who are alive still by drugging them and then trying to drill holes in their head. Right, 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 uh, right. Lots of complaints. Because zombies, from, yeah. Yeah, lots of complaints from neighbors about the odors coming from his, his apartment. And he yes, would tell people, well, my fridge broke. He had a big um, aquarium and he'd say, oh, my fish died, you know. So one young victim with a hole in his head, managed to yes, get out. I know but story. when the neighborhood girls insisted to call 9-11, the cops came. Dahmer told them, back. oh, it's a, a gay lover quarrel. And they just immediately dismissed the whole thing and sent right. this kid, young back kid, yeah, back in to be killed. Yeah. Uh, and this was his last victim. Uh, Dahmer said that, uh, now I won't even tell you what he did. It's <laughs> Gross. Yeah, so you don't have to. We know how cops, disgusting he was. The cops finally figured out that they should look around a little bit more carefully, and uh, it was all. That's when they discovered. Yeah. 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 And he says he, when he was interviewed or publicly, he said, "For what I did, I should be dead." In total, that they know, he killed seventeen, and he was all about the necrophilia and the cannibalism. Right. He, um, he had a never-ending desire, he said, to be with somebody at whatever cost. He said that right. their skulls were altars to myself where I could feel at home. They became a place of meditation and uh, where he could feel power. He was- Right, right. Uh, he felt like he was taking, I think what it was about, and this kind of speaks some to his chart, with the cannibalism and all that, because um, I think there's a really deep, seated fear or like abandonment issue there and yeah. this was some kind of way of taking people's power and yeah. making them part of him keeping them in some way yeah they from can't what get he away. said yeah they couldn't get away from him yeah right. anyway he uh i wrote and this will be a real revelation he was definitely insane um mm -hmm. yeah but he had cunning and uh, completely no sense of a moral compass. Alcohol is a disinhibitor, by the way. 
Um, Absolutely. Also, he identified with movie villains and their power, but he admitted, you know, everything he did, he didn't deny it. He said, I deserve whatever I get. Right. And what he got was stabbed to death in prison in uh, a couple years after he was sent to prison. That's the interesting thing about him. He's not really a psychopath, right? He wasn't, he was not, but he was not somebody who was diagnosed as psychopathic. No, no. And that's, what's different about him. And that's what you can feel is different about him when you see him and the way he interacted and how he dealt with admitting that what he did was wrong and that he didn't, he shouldn't have done it and feeling some kind of remorse. It seemed like he did seem to have that, even though absolutely he did. Yeah. 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 And so, so his case is very different than a lot of the other serial killers that we looked at. It's driven by something a lot more crazy yeah. than a lot of the other, yeah. you know, um, and also a lot more demented, you yeah. know? Um, so can we want to look at his chart and, oh, and I was looking yes. at, as you were, as you were going along, I was looking at different triggers for different things in his chart. You know, why did he go like you said, you know, when in 1964, maybe he had some kind of brain damage. I'm not sure if he had brain damage or not, but I think there's some indication that he probably obviously has some kind of implicit mental health problem, like biologically. Sounds, sounds like. It kind of runs in the family, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I think that you can see in his chart, it comes from his mom. Yeah. So let's, um, let's look at that. Um, because I don't think that. I mean, so I'm just going to take it out of uh, all these different transits, but so you can see this is his natal chart. And, um, you know, this is, I think this is a thing to me that was always kind of interesting about Dahmer was that he felt so different than a lot of the other um, serial killers who kind of seem to gloat and they lie the whole time and they don't take accountability and they don't seem to like have any remorse whatsoever. In fact, they seem to be excited and happy to tell you all the horrible things they've done. Yeah. Dahmer didn't seem like that. Dahmer no. seemed like he knew better. He was very contrite in a way. And he also seemed like he himself knew that there was something really wrong with him, but he didn't know how to stop it. And that he had talked about attempting different things to try to stop himself, but they didn't work. And they only escalated his behavior. I heard one story he said, which was he was, living with his grandmother and he did that thing with a mannequin to try to satiate his weird desires and his mental health issues. Um, Cause he was not wanting to hurt anybody cause he knew it was wrong. And then he, um, you know, then he was went out with someone or something. He got really wasted. He rented a hotel room and he woke up and he had murdered the person. Yeah. So this was sort of like, the darker kind of psychotic or stuff would come out when he was drunk. So, so let's look at that. I mean, so a couple of different things he's got, he's got a grand cross here. He's got Saturn squaring his ascendant, squaring his moon, meaning he's more, he's someone born with a lot of kind of anxiety, kind of a feeling that, you know, his mother is depressive, the Saturn moon square, his mother is not present for him. The moon is in Aries, meaning the mom is very narcissistic. Everything's all about her. And in the seventh house, it's all about her and her relationships with other people. But she's not really focused on him at all. Like this is the kind of mother that 
you're an afterthought, you know, it's all about me. You know what I mean? I, what do I want? How am I doing? And then the Saturn square tells you that the mom, the depression, the sort of mental health issues she had, the sort of self-centeredness that was intrinsic. The way he read her was that she was very selfish and was not really someone, no, not a safe person for him to kind of, you know, interact with someone who probably had a temper, someone who was um, kind of uh, either busy kind of wallowing in her own, uh, her own issues, her own kind of desires, or interested in maybe the relationship with the, I'm sure that they fought a lot, the parents, because of the square between yes. the moon and the Saturn. Yes. And so, you know, there, there's a lot of fighting and the mom is really focused on the relationship and arguing with the father and not interested so much in Jeffrey. You know, Jeffrey's sort of an afterthought. Jeffrey's sort of like on the side. And sometimes, you know, certain people, if they don't have mental health issues, um, you know, that, that, you know, they can get over that. Now, here's another thing. He has nataling Mars in his sixth house with Eris there, right, Con conjoined. So here's someone with an incredibly intense temper and temperament where he's kind of quick to anger, but he, it's sort of like, it's almost like a physiological thing. Somebody who, um, you know, probably had a lot of energy and kind of, you know, was pent up, but it inconjuncts his Neptune. So he has to sort of suppress it. Um, and he can't, he can't really show it. So he's got this weird kind of, intense energy was really hypersexual kind of energy. And also with an Aries conjunction, uh, uh, he's probably got a temper really angry on some level and, and especially probably related to the mother. And this might be the root of the mental health stuff too. Um, the Neptune ruler is in Scorpio. So there probably was a drug addicted sort of component to the and the, and the psychotic component to the mental, sort of like the body he was born into was defective with, you know, um, you know, cause we have this intense yod to that Neptune. So there was probably a couple of things I think were going on with him. One was probably he's dissociative. He's got this very intense yod to that Neptune. He dissociated, he probably felt really angry and he wasn't allowed to express it. You know, um, his mother, the moon in the seventh was the only one who was able to express her uh, negative feelings. If he did that, he probably got in trouble. So he was dissociative. I think he's got the sun in Mercury in the eighth house in, in uh, Gemini, meaning he hid what he really thought and what he really said, what he was really doing. So he was very secretive by nature. And a lot of this is because he probably felt like he wasn't allowed to express himself. He wasn't allowed to sort of be angry or to, to, to sort of I bet you if he would have ever had a tantrum or anything, instead of getting attention, he probably would have gotten ignored. So he learned to sort of do everything kind of in a hidden way and kind of be almost like with that Eris conjunction, covert in his aggression, if that makes sense. There's like yeah. a covert aggression going on. And then well, he's like a simmering boy pot waiting to explode, kind of like. Right. And and instead of coming for instead of like getting into a fist fight, he's covertly doing these things to kind of like take out his anger. Like the the stuff with the animals probably, you know, um make him feel it's it was a way to kind of release his anger and his all of the feelings of, you know, rage that he had. Um 
And when he couldn't do that, he's got this Neptune in conjunction. So it's like he's got two sides of his personality. He's got this very secretive, angry, I can't, I'm raging kind of personality. And then this other, this Neptune conjunction in Scorpio where he has to kind of like, uh, he gets involved in drugs and alcohol. And it's a way to sort of split his psyche into two pieces um, to sort of calm himself down and not be in the rage and the kind of this sense of, because he's not allowed to be, you see what I'm yeah. saying? He's got this oh, yeah. square yeah. to Saturn to the moon. His mother would not tolerate that in him with that Saturn square to the moon. He felt constantly under some kind of pressure from her. Like she didn't love him. She was hard on him. And um, I think also having it in the third house, she, he probably also felt that coming from his brother and from his father. So his whole family felt like he was, he was, uh, you know, not that he, that he was a bit of an outsider or that he wasn't really, that they were always kind of putting pressure on him to, to be a certain thing that he could never be is he's got this grand square. Um, his father, you know, was probably busy working. He's got it in Capricorn, wasn't really paying attention except for to the mother and the, and the relationship dynamic. Oh, it correct. Yes. Correct. And also, you know, that set that fourth house thing where, you know, they're probably, it, it, I know the dad was sort of encouraging this weird, he thought was science stuff. I mean, this is an in conjunction here to the Uranus. It's like the father did not recognize no. what his, what's going on. There's an in conjunction. He has tons of in conjunctions in his chart, which is, tells me that's exactly this, the dissociative kind of psyche right there. When you see all of these kind of in conjunctions and he's got all squares and in conjunctions, here's someone who's got all kinds of internal tension and also all kinds of compartmentalization. It's like their personality is split into different, splintered into different pieces, which really fits that diagnosis of him being um, schizotypal. Now, I don't know if you know about schizotypal personality disorder is actually what they believe what we used to call borderline, um, uh, borderline schizophrenia mm -hmm. back in the day. And like, if you would have been have a schizotypal personality disorder in like the 1930s, they would have called you borderline, uh, borderline mm -hmm. schizophrenic because what it, and there is an actual, it's the only personality type that has a genetic component where it's you, it's something you're kind of born with. Yeah, And this really is kind of the chart he has of someone who has this dissociative type of personality disorder. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got this, all these squares. And like I said, he's got very intense in conjunctions and he's got a numerous uh, tons and tons of them. Now he's got a Pluto square, the sun Mercury, which is all about his need to control and his secret need to control, but it also in conjuncts his Mars. So it's like, he doesn't know who he is at the core. It's like he's got all these different pieces of himself and he doesn't know how to put them together. The only way they make sense is when he is in kind of um, disharmony with one another. So here's a person who is always feeling under pressure and under and, and, and confused about why or who or what he's doing. And this is probably why this yo to the Neptune, the only time he felt kind of like he could kind of get out of that space was to be drunk or to be on drugs. And Scorpio, of course, unfortunately, he's got a lot of that Pluto energy, which is an obsession. And unfortunately, that Neptune and Scorpio and with death and transformation and looking underneath things and 
all of that stuff that he started exhibiting very young in an unhealthy way, you know, somebody else who is not mentally ill, you know, it, it takes the form of being interested in psychology and interested in, um, you know, things that are below the surface and research. But when someone has some kind of serious mental health issue like this guy does, um, it can take the form into necrophilia and uh, wanting to look underneath, like what's underneath, what's in the bones, with dissecting physical, disgusting things like that, you know, and wanting to take the power of someone by killing them. And that's a lot of the emphasis in his chart. There's a lot of Pluto stuff. Uh, and it's interesting in Virgo too, which is, you know, he's a medic and he was kind of a phlebotomist. And so he was trying to find in some ways positive kind of uh, ways to utilize outlet yeah. those kind of desires to kind of like go into somebody and control them. And, um, you know, and this is really the, the driver that he felt totally split apart and completely consumed. Now he doesn't have in the same way as like the serial killers, which is interesting, the same kind of nodal conjunctions that other, you know, serial killers do, which yeah, is why he's yeah. also interesting. I mean, he, he's not someone, this is not someone who is like, there's a karmic thing here in terms of, well, he did all of these other lifetimes where he probably was evil and whatever here. He has the past life stuff of having the South known of Pisces where he was probably victimized. He was the victim. And so he's got the North node in Virgo. And in this lifetime, you know, Pluto is close enough. It's in the same sign and it's part of the um, conjunct the part of fortune, the need to control becomes sort of now his mind and his kind of, he does have the other ruler of karma, which is Saturn spraying the moon. There's stuff with the mother and there's negative stuff with the father and the, and the family of origin. But he, in this lifetime, it's almost like many, many lifetimes he was probably victimized. He was probably had very negative relationships. And that piece is part of the you know, in this lifetime, he probably felt he needed to take his power or, yeah, you know, well, that wasn't the way right. to do it. And right. so he, but in his, his mind was so blown apart. And yeah. so he had this physiological problem that, and he wasn't intercepted early enough. I mean, he doesn't have a chart that he had to do this. Let's put it that way. His yeah. family could have interceded and put him on a different track early on. And he would never have become the person he was. I truly believe that. And that's one of the things I always found fascinating about Dahmer is how screwed up that guy got, how dark he got. But he is one of the few that I've seen that where you go, this guy did not have to go that way. I mean, early intervention in someone like him, if he had been put on medicine, he'd been diagnosed with schizotypal stuff and he had been, he had parents who were a little bit more attentive. He would not have been this person. He would not have done all these horrible things. And he is conflicted. He is so internally conflicted and he's struggling with all of these different parts of himself that he can't control. And that's what drove him to do all these insane things and, and totally psychotic behaviors. You know, that's what yeah. I take it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it kind of blows my mind how similar his cards are, you know, right. given, given that. Uh, I think he's definitely somebody who... In, it's not like you said, it's not nodal. It's not karmic in the sense that he's got this huge burden. He's got the genetic familial 
right. in physiological, utero, probably chemical. Uh, yes, chemical. Right. Way. Neptune. Right. Really the, yes, he's got a chemical. And then the neglect, the emotional neglect, the sense of abandonment. In his chart, it sounds like it's definitely in his cards that this was somebody who, in this lifetime, uh, was trying to work out an understanding of emotional attachment between people and specifically with his mother, right. she was the right. significant relationship. Yes, and that's true. as you said, a sense of power and control. And it went off the rails because he was so damaged. It's yes. just terrible. Okay. Well, let me I, show can I just say one so, thing about the damage thing is that the damage, it's not just that his parents were messed up and that they had all this. Is that he came in his body itself yes, with that yes. Mars and that Neptune? They, he came in with a broken brain, right? You know, all those dissociated. He did. He didn't have the neural networks to be able to put things together. He would have needed intensive intervention early on. He probably had some other neurological problems. Looking at his chart, um, when you see this many in conjunctions, people have neurological broken wires. Later, their things are not connecting, and he has. A lot of that. A lot of that. So that's what I want to say. There's, if his parents had been different, I mean, I'm not blaming it entirely on the parents. It's a, it's a biological problem too, is what I'm trying to say. It's not just the parents. Yeah. Well, it's never not in some way linked to past life and the need for lessons in this life. Uh, But in this particular case, I think that the physiological damage uh, that's the, the main the main role and yes. that reminds me um because you're you know we're using a lot of psychological terminology i have uh put up two videos on my channel irish Chan- granny tarot um sort of an outline of the psychological terms that we use kind right. of a condensation of all these concepts so that we're on, on, on the same, in the same context, when people hear us, they'll, they'll understand. Sure. So if we throw out a term, you can go look at the transcript, you know, that they put at the bottom of the video and you can find that term and right. where we're coming from. Okay. So this guy, this is him, the eight of swords and okay. This trapped somebody who right. is completely yeah. trapped, crossed by the king of swords reverse. So somebody who feels really trapped and is an unbalanced person, already a destructive person, too much pressure in his life. No, I I can't believe this, that I wrote this down. It's been a while since I wrote this down and listening to your interpretation, no room for personal argument, no Hmm. permission to speak up for himself. That's right. That's the center square. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah. he's dealing dealing with somebody who plays mind games too. So mm, that yeah, that's true. kind of with himself. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's in the larger atmosphere of the two of swords. And like you said, he did not have to go this way. He right, didn't right. have to go this way. Uh, he, he was always in his own sort of um, pathological way, trying to keep the peace, trying to find some sort of connection, trying right. to deal with relationships. And, and it, plays out in his analyzing of animal trying to make a connection right. and then later right. the his pathological relationship with people um he's not sure what to do because he's living in this unstable chaotic unpredictable yes. environment and his, mind. and his mind isn't unstable and chaotic like that too i think yeah yeah you're right. right and at the foundation of all of it he tried 
the eight, the eight of pentacles. This is a guy who took things seriously. Uh, he had a, a very apprentice-like relationship with his father. He right. had uh, made attempt after attempt. Um, his father did all this taxidermy with him and that provided the relationship that they had. I, that was so the wrong sick. thing to do, man. That was so the wrong thing. Yeah, because he went right off the rails. That's, that cemented that cemented that, 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 that psychotic kind of break. You know what I'm saying? Is making yeah. it okay. Yeah. And you know how on his chart, you pointed out that this is a significant, uh, as, uh, his chart makes it a significant relationship with his mother, right? Right. Well, and here the it is, the Empress right. reverse. This is absolutely it. Uh, he had a smothering mother and a rejecting mother at the same time. She, right. you know, that sort right. of personality. Uh, was, and, I, can I say one thing? I think I didn't talk about which what you're talking about. There's a Uranus trying to the moon. So the mother was very erratic. The mother was one moment. She was, oh, I like you the great. And then when, I hate you. You know, she was one of those kind of moms. Yeah. So exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And, and you're dealing with a child who's already damaged, right? As you said, he came into the world damaged and in this environment of chaos. And it's sort of a, a pull, push. I love you. I don't love you. That's I right. give you affection. Respect I withhold him. affection. That's right. He never knows where he stands. Complete lack of stability and predictability. Right. And under That's the best correct. of circumstances, children need predictability, stability. So what do you end up with? You end up with the five of swords. Somebody who's got, can you see that? Oh, <laughs> there we go. Resentment and mental instability and all these unresolved conflicts. And his cards are just dramatically maybe what you would predict and wait till you see the card that i got for him himself death wow yeah there you go yeah. that's the yeah. pluto energy yeah and and sometimes you can take these cards uh you know on face value and right. sometimes there's more of a symbolic meaning and i think this is double Both. layered yeah, yeah. It's both. Yeah. He he is the uh the agent of death. He is, yeah. Death pervaded his entire life from the earliest years. And death, the death card is about change and the need for change. And it goes True, back right. to that two of swords, choices, making choices. Um his actions could have transformed him, but I, I think he was physiologically incapable of doing anything about that. And this is such a weird card reading because I don't think I've ever seen one quite like this. This is him in a larger environment of the star. Isn't mm, that interesting? interesting? Well, somebody who the star, could have that changed will... the trajectory of his life and become really somebody else different. Yeah. Yeah, somebody completely different, positive kind of a person. But think about the star. The star card too could have been the, the gay community too. You know that he was hunting in. You know what I'm saying? The larger I hadn't community. Even thought about that. Yeah, I hadn't even yeah. thought about it. I was thinking of it more as a person who would have been. He was intelligent. He would have been successful. Yes. Uh, yeah. And he wanted connection. You can see that. You know, he wanted. Yeah, right. Connection with the right environment and the right external forces but he didn't have those and so his hopes and fears this is uh, you know potential it depends on how you want to look at it the knight of wands the knight of wands is somebody impulsive 
who likes discord, but it can also be about addictions. And I think that that's a very significant thing. He struggled. He struggled desperately. The outcome, and, and this outcome is also really dramatic. The five of cups, somebody who is full of pain, full of grief, regret, despair, emotional upheaval, disappointment, and it's significant that it's crossed by the King of Cups reversed. I think this is in reference to his father. Yeah. Because yeah. his father, after uh, this all happened, his father wrote a book about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that book, you could really see his father's desperation to make sense of all of it. Mm -hmm. uh, disappointment, so disappointed. But he, his father was a weak parent, weak leader when he was even around. And he was an emotionally manipulative father. So you're mm -hmm. it, it, this poor guy. I mean, it really is a, a, a disturbed person who was wounded with this. I wrote right. narcissistic mother, uh, yeah. poor father role model. Yeah. Can I say one of the things that you were talking about it. with, um, you know, I didn't know about the tax doing the taxidermy with the father, but I'm thinking that because of the way that he is like his, you know, your chart is like a map of your mind. It's also a map of your life as it's going to play out. You know, it's not, it, there's, there's echoes of past life things in it, but in this lifetime, your chart kind of really represents the kind of personality you're going to have and the kind of orientation, the physiological problems you're going to have, all the challenges and benefits you're going to have. Well, his chart really shows all kinds of inconjunctions. He's got a major yod, like a very tight yod to that Neptune and Scorpio in the first house, meaning he's very dissociative. And his kind of the dissociation is, of course, he only feels probably whole when he's drunk or when he's not having to feel all those disconnected parts of himself where he feels oh, kind of like right, of pain and, and grief and, and loss and loss. Um, and so right. when he's numbing himself, he can kind of, you know, feel, not have to feel all those things. And here's a guy who is born with basically a scrambled neurological system, kind of, you know, doesn't, can't put these things together. He's got parents that are fighting, don't get along. He has a Uranus moon trying and his squares, the moon Saturn. So the parents don't get along. The father is kind of a workaholic, very focused on his career, his job, his mind. He's kind of checked out and in conjunction to Uranus. So dad's never really there. Sometimes dad's there. Sometimes dad's not. He doesn't know. He can't rely on dad. His mother is emotionally erratic. And that is, and if he had parents, you know, the other thing is, okay, I mean, he has probably Pluto and Leo parents too. Like his parents are probably the me generation boomer type people, right? I mean, I don't know when his parents yeah, were. Yeah, I know 70s. what you're saying. Yeah, the 70s, yeah. Right. So he, so he has parents who, their trajectory is really about their own personal growth. And children are sort thing. of- <laughs> yeah, children are sort of like, this is why the Gen Xers are considered to be the lost generation or the generation that's the neglected generation, because the boomers are so busy doing their own thing. Do You know, it's the me generation. It's all about them. And children were sort of, you know, they weren't, people didn't have children for the same reasons they do now. People usually have children now. They know they want to have kids. Most people, they choose it. It was just sort of something that you just did because that's what people did. And you don't Well, really in care. defense of my generation, it's a broad range of ages. And those were the early boomers. 
I saw that. I know what you mean. It wasn't a, a time period when people, you know, Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice, people were so wrapped up in, in redefining social roles. Right. That's right. That the children were a secondary consideration. Consideration. That's correct. And not for all of us. <laughs> well, it depends on the person. It's obviously yeah. not, this is just a general kind of umbrella sentiment. I'm getting that defensive. That certainly would apply to his situation where his parents were oh, locked in their own drama yeah. and they weren't really paying attention. And the thing is, you know, that happens in every generation, right? It's not unique to the Pluto and Leo generation, but it was certainly totally socially acceptable during that period of time. And it was the standard, not you were the exception if you didn't do that. Not you were that was not the rule. It was sort of backwards of now. Now, if people do that, it's considered horrific. And oh my God, I can't believe somebody would do that. Leave their baby in the car or, you know what I mean? Or not pay attention to a kid who has needs and problems. You know, they did what? They didn't get them assessed or helped. That's ridiculous. Well, back then it was the standard to just sort of whatever, take care of yourself, kid. And, you know, when I have time, I'll deal with you. That was the standard. I mean, granted, like I said, there's great parents in this generation, no doubt. They're really good parents and I've known them, but I'm not saying that that's not the sort of cultural kind of implication. Social, yeah. Social, social like, you know, different. I mean, even Dr. Spock, as you mentioned, was this sort of whole thing of, you know, let the baby cry it out. Don't pick the baby up. Just kind of ignore the baby. Let the baby deal with its own shit. You know what I'm saying? Don't yeah. coddle the baby. And that's not a good, that is not a good way to, to parent, but yeah as evidenced by my generation who are, you know, and this is one of the problems with Dahmer because here's the deal. Here's a guy who cannot figure it out for himself. He could not, he has some kind of literal biological dis dysfunction in his brain. Yeah. And instead of getting him help, his father creates those neural made pathways, yeah. made it worse, creates the neural pathways that makes it okay to murder things and stuff yeah. them and, um, and then basically that's his bonding with his father is through this neuropathway created where death and gutting things. So now you've got a neuropathway that's connected in childhood that this is love between father and son where we're killing something together and stuffing it and controlling it. I mean, fuck, I didn't know that. But now I blame the father even more than the mother because that's a neural pathway of bonding and love. And he probably had oxytocin and yeah, dopamine yeah. coursing through his brain where he felt his dad loves him, is paying attention to him. And it's through this really kind of depraved act. You know what I'm saying? That they're doing yeah, this thing. And, and he had this bizarre uh, back and forth with his mother where he's seeking emotional connection. Right. And she's all into the drug thing. So what does he do? Right. He goes to seek emotional connection at these bathhouses. And how does he do that? He drugs the people, but then that, that's also associated with his need for controlling the situation. But right. he could subsume them wholly is what he was after in the long run. Right, right. I think that's that yod right to the Neptune. And in some ways, what he came to do karmically was to change the trajectory of his family line. And generally when you have yodes in your chart, that's what people do. They're kind of like dams that change the flow of the river. Unfortunately, he has changed it for the worse. I mean, his behavior and how he, I mean, nobody read it. Nobody sort of paid attention to him and he got wired very wrong. And, um, 
I think he did change the trajectory of his family line, but it certainly wasn't in a good way. It was in a very bad way. And generally, um, it's not the intention of that Yod. Yeah. He had two paths, you know, two paths. Yes. And his family, if they had been paying even the slightest bit of attention and really, and really, I mean, I know in some ways I feel like that father wrote that book to blame the mother entirely. Um, now I'm really, I'm really kind of thinking the dad, um, he really had a huge hand in creating this mess, you know, encouraging that behavior and not seeing it for the depravity that it was and that it was mentally yeah. ill. Well, I think the um, father felt in retrospect, felt a lot of responsibility and guilt. He should have. And he spent the whole book. It's been years, years since I've read it, but I remember thinking, boy, this is, this is a lot of denial and excuses. Yeah. 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 I think that's right. But imagine I, I put myself in his shoes and I, I think about just emotionally as a parent to have a child turn out like this. Yeah, but it's not even like he turned out like that. He was doing this at a really young age. He was taking yeah. dead animals and ha- yeah. hacking dogs' heads off. And the parents are just like, oh, it's just science. I mean, what is that? Denial. I mean, that's, <laughs> a severe that's, denial. That's just not paying attention. And and that, and you know, and it's, it's, he kept doing it and it kept getting more and more wired into him that it's okay to do that. And that's, yeah. you know, when you're a developing person and your brain's developing, if that becomes a release and kind of you, that's how your coping mechanism that's is being built. Each time. Yeah. That's where he's, he's wired to kind of do that. And that's right. so obvious from his chart that this was really, like you said, it's not like he had a horrific childhood, like he was beaten, you know, and starved and put in a cage. But he had the totally wrong. He had the parent. worst kind of childhood for his particular for him needs. for his problem. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. For his particular needs, he had the worst possible parents in the worst possible situation. It made it a million times worse. He wouldn't have been the person he was if anyone else would have raised him. Basically, besides those two idiots. So that's what I. And I, I always ask myself. At least I've learned uh, of late. To, when you see hideous situations like this, not to try to justify or rationalize, but to take a step back and ask, is there a lesson here? What is the lesson right. if one does exist and one always does exist? So here's an example for all of us. It's became household. He's a household name, right? And there's, what's the purpose of that? Well, if nothing else, the purpose of that is to um, be a harsh, cold reality check for all of us that's right about how we treat our children how, how we raise we, our kids that's how right. we orchestrate our family dynamics the importance right. now the the severe long-term effects for all of society from when you don't pay family. attention when yeah. you don't yeah when you don't when you don't really watch your children and see the patterns emerging and try to intercede if there's some kind of serious mental health problem which clearly he had very early on. It was very obvious. Yeah. Definitely. Because they don't go away. Right. I want to point out something astrologically about the nodal thing and the lack of it in his chart, which tells us right there, he wasn't born a psychopath. He wasn't born with all that. He was really someone who is demented, you know, medically and mentally, mentally Ill, and neurologically, yeah. mentally ill person. And he was functional enough that he could kind of, now, I did hear something recently that he was, when he was in the military, he was starting to do that same behavior. He's trying to hurt his roommates and yeah, murder them and rape yeah. them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he was, I mean, you know, 
this was cemented in him by the time his brain was fully developed and he, or even by the time he was a teenager, this became his sort of, he merged the neurological wiring was death and sex. That's the, they're the same. And, you know, I have to be violent and all of his violence that Mars sun in conjunction to the Neptune, that violence and kind of desire to like uh, control and that he had and his urges were all merged with that, you know, like, like a part of him that he, the, he mentally ill, his mental illness and that he could not really, uh, I don't think, I think that he hit violence was part of the, the part of the excitement, if that makes sense. The, yeah. The and you know, I, I have, I have this, uh, propensity to try to, uh, to find the humanity in people because I'm right. a very harsh judge. And this, this five cups says it all. This is a person you're, what you saw in his crimes was a small child begging for emotional attachment right, right. and some sort of order from chaos. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or what? Cause he himself was chaos. I mean, if you look at his internal structure of his mind, it's a mess. It's like, he can't make sense of his own mind. Yeah. It's all over and disconnected. And he's got these urges and feelings. He did not have control. I bet you, he also had some kind of neurological dysfunction, like ADHD or something else like that. He, he was neurological. That's probably why he was an average student, even though he's a Mercury sun conjunction Gemini where he is not stupid, but I bet you, he had some kind of neural, he couldn't put things together. You know, he, he couldn't, it's, it's like a big old kind of, everything is like probably popping into his head. He doesn't know why he can't control it. He doesn't know how to stop it. And, and he's he self-medicating no, with, with alcohol, right, self-medicating, but the alcohol has the opposite yeah. effect. But it made it worse, inhibitor. but it triggered, it right. It yeah. triggered the behavior. And so that, that's, I mean, that's an interesting thing too. The Neptune and Scorpio with the Pluto squared to his son. It, it made him, it brought out the controlling kind of side of him and the kind of ability to kind of get really aggressive, even though he was probably just trying to disappear and kind of make that stuff, yeah. come, the noise kind of go away. It, it did the opposite thing that he intended, I think, you know, um, it probably made him feel better for a while until he started bringing out the, the darker sides of his personality. So he, you have a person who is, you know, clearly really, really uh, discombobulated in their thinking and personality. Yeah. Well, I think it's important too, at this point to say that uh, we all need to remember that largely, overwhelmingly, what was it? 90%. I don't remember. It's been a while since I made those videos about the facts about mental illness, but people who are mentally ill, most are, most are not. Right. They they're are not the victims violent. of crime. No, they're almost yeah. over entirely the victims of crime. That's right. It's rare, 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 rare to find a mentally ill person who becomes a danger to other people. It happens. That's true. It and that's happen. what we hear about, you know, but. Well, in his case, his stuff is so violent. I mean, his mental health stuff was, is it, oh even his, God. even in his chart, um, you know, his house of health, he's got Mars in there with the Aries conjunction, which means his the driver it's it's like almost like um there's something kind of like this intense yeah. anger and kind of 
a warring Mars, Mars and Aries, right, right, you know, the, right. The gods of, of war. And probably this really intense sexual drive that was that he, you know, didn't know what to do with. And so it became violence too. And and part of the driver for his own, you know, taking it out and becoming so dark with everything. Do you know what I'm saying? And um wanting to cut things open and this it's like it all became merged, I think, neurologically too, as through his childhood. You know, he he could he would have been so different if if he had different parents. I mean, I I think looking at his chart, he would have been, he probably would have been nutty and he would have been off and he would have had some health mental health issues, but he could have been a gentle person, I think. And that's the sad, that's a sad thing about the very thing. sad story. Promise yeah. me that we don't have to do uh any cannibals again anytime soon. <laughs> I hate I hate it's that stuff. So I know. It's gross. <laughs> but you can see in this case, the cannibalism was a way of taking his power and trying to oh, make yeah. them part of himself because yes. of his yes. illness. Yes. Yeah. Gross. So it's hard to understand, but it's a mental ill illness thing, you know, really. Yeah. Not that it makes it any better, but Anyway, well, well we, have this some, is, we have some doozies coming up after this. Right, we do. And we will, um, you will see, we're going to do, a, a, so we're going to be on our sixth one next time. And then we have two more after that. We're going to do, we're going to have eight episodes and then we're going to take a little break and then we're going to make another packet of eight. We're going to do like little seasons of different, um, you know, looking at these people, um, serial killers and, and people like that. Um, if you have anybody you want to recommend to us, um, you can go ahead and put it in the comments on YouTube or we're on all the podcasting platforms, which is, you know, please subscribe to those. That would really help us because we're on, you know, any of your podcasting platforms, you can basically find us and we're under psychics and psychos. And if you subscribe, then it helps us, um, you know, uh, be able to kind of track what people are liking and right. what they're listening to. So that'd be great. Right. Yeah. So, and, and watch Denise's channel where she does all sorts of uh, geopolitical astrology and individual astrology. Very interesting. And then I do tarot cards on current events. And I also synopsize books on the weekend. Right. And uh, I also have a sub stack too. If you want to read more about astrology right. and big or different. I know I have a lot of going on, but, and also I do readings and so does uh, Helen, right? We both do readings. And if you ever want a reading from us, it's very easy to find us through our YouTube channel. So I suggest you look there or you can Google me and it'll come up how to get a, a book, book an appointment. Probably, I don't know for, for you if that's as easy or not, but. Yeah, um, I, I have my, uh, my YouTube channel email. Get in touch. Okay. Then you can email Helen about a reading. So, um, Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, please come back for next our next episode, which will come out. Spread the, week the word. Week. And spread the word. Yes. And please subscribe and help us to grow our to grow this thing. Cause I think we have something interesting to say in this space. So blessings to all of you and have a wonderful week. This is Psychics and Psychos, and we'll see you next time, or you'll hear us next time. Have a Slong good one. Oil, you guys. Slong of oil. <laughs>